don't know about you, but as we go through the book of James, he seems to be one thing after another that keeps coming up. They're pretty convicting things. James, it's like I said before, it's like James pulls up a chair and says, hey, we need to talk. And he just goes through uh, issue after issue. But we, it is God's word. And Hebrews 4 reminds us that God's word is alive. It's not dead. It's powerful. It, it actually, as it says, is sharp and piercing. And sometimes we feel that when we read God's word. You know, we can casually read through uh, James, and I hope that you've been doing that over the last few months, is to be reading it on a regular basis. But when we slow down and take some time and actually study what's said, it can be kind of cutting. Uh, but God is doing that. He's revealing, as it says in Hebrews 4, it, the word of God reveals our hearts and our thoughts. And he does that not to condemn us, so to speak, but he does that to really to challenge or convict us to, with the idea to correct us and encourage us. And today, uh, as we come back to the book of James, um, uh, last week we looked at our, our tongue, the words, and again, that was a very challenging passage there. If you're like me, you uh, read that passage and what we learnt last week, realising that what comes out of our mouths is really goes back to our hearts and you go away thinking, well, I need to change my, what I say. And maybe you're like me for a couple of days, I thought, well, I better watch my words. And then you find yourself drifting back uh, to the same old things coming out of your mouth, the same old attitudes. And it reminds us what James said, you can't tame the tongue. Uh, we cannot, through our own self-control uh, in, in our own ability, uh, control our tongue. We need God. And I hope that these passages are not just to say, don't make us feel like helpless and, oh, that's just the way I am and I can't help it. Rather, what God's saying is, you can't, well, I can help you, but you need to lean on me. You need to come to me for help. You need to uh, realise that the issues that uh, come out of this, so many, are hard issues. And, and I want to work on your heart. And God has to work on our heart if, he's gonna, if we're going to change our outward circumstances. See, often we look at the circumstances that we face, the challenges we face in life, and we focus on what's going on in the here and now. But God says, I'm more important than what's going on in you, in your life. And so he does that. And today we come back to that again. What you, you, we've realised over these uh, past couple of chapters is that he's dealing with it in matters of the way we live. It, it, it has to do with our works. It has to do with our words, the way we treat other people. And today we come to this area of wisdom. And we've already, again, addressed wisdom a, a bit in this passage a few times. You'll find that the, the three topics keep coming up. You know, our faith, our speech, our wisdom, and they're all tied in together, aren't they? Back in chapter 1, he says, if, if any of us lack wisdom, we can go to him. We can ask him and he will give it to us. I look at these and just as I've been thinking about James and thinking about our, our Christian life, it's the, the three, there's three T's that came up. It comes up with truth. We need to know the truth of God. We need to trust him in that. And we need to be transformed by the gospel, by the, the word of God, which means, of course, receiving it and obeying it. As we come to wisdom today, James is, uh, is reminding us that there really is only two types of wisdom. You see, every person on the face of the earth, all of us, live out our lives according to some kind of wisdom. And the question that James is asking today is, what kind of wisdom are you living your life out of? He asks this question, he says, who among you is wise, in verse 13? And then he gives 
and contrasts two different types of wisdom. There's an earthly or wisdom from below, there's a worldly wisdom, and there's a heavenly wisdom. And they're the only two choices. And all of us uh, operate out of those. uh, And as Christians, we have the option of, of operating out of heavenly wisdom, but often we can resort back to that worldly wisdom. And in this passage is when he's describing those two types of wisdoms. He gives us the motivation for that type of wisdom. He actually gives us the characteristics. He describes it right and what the end result of that type of wisdom will be. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. It is confronting. And I guess we need to be confronted about this because when he asks the question, whoso is wise among you, he's not expecting us to all say, no, I'm not wise. In fact, most of us would say that we are in some, in some degree. He then says, well, okay, now that you've, we do that, let's put it to the test. Here's, the, here's these two types of wisdom. Let's match up how your life is living. How's it playing out in your life according to these two and see which one you are actually following or which one you regularly follow. So let's look at these first, the test that he gives in verse 13. So let's look back there in verse 13. He says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge uh, among you? Or the idea there is, wise and understanding. Who of you are wise and understanding? Let him show good out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. As I mentioned, he's asking the question to these Jewish believers and understand that, you know, they were, these were people that had Bible knowledge. They had Old Testament knowledge. They'd been grown up in in the, the temple with the rabbis and now in the synagogues and, and uh, they've been scattered but they have that Old Testament foundation and the things that they've been taught. He says, who among you has, is wise and has understanding? And he's expecting not a no answer. He's expecting an answer that says, well, I am to some degree. Not, not a, well, yeah, no, I know everything. But this idea that all, all of us have a degree of wisdom. Today we would... Uh, probably put it this way, when people say, you'd say, well, I'm not stupid, right? <laughs> Sometimes when people have asked you something, oh, I'm not stupid, you know, I'm not a fool, right? I, I do know some things. Now, it's interesting because there's two different philosophies regarding wisdom. The Greek and the Romans at that time, uh, the way they defined uh, wisdom was that it was largely intellectual. And that actually is really carried over into our Western thinking today. Um, if you go to the dictionary, as I did, and looked up wisdom, you see that it says here, the ability or result to think and act using knowledge, uh, experience, understanding, common sense. Insight is the big word. And then it says scholarly knowledge or learning. So it's very much about what you know. The, the world today says wisdom is demonstrated by what you know. The more you know, the wiser you would be. But but the Hebrew thinking, and this is uh, not just the Hebrew, but very much uh, perhaps some of the more Eastern thinking, but also the Bible thinking relating to wisdom is that it is behavioural. Right? Wisdom has less to do with knowledge and more to do with the way you apply that knowledge in specific ways. It's, in the Old Testament, it was often the word wisdom was also meant skill. Uh, we could say common sense as well. But where the Western thinking, the Greek, the Roman thinking is wisdom is demonstrated by what you know, the Hebrew and the Bible thinking is wisdom is demonstrated by how you live. It's it's your behavior. 
And in fact, he says that here because he says, um, who is wise and endued with knowledge among you? If you're wise and understanding, let him show out of, converse, out of good conversation, that word conversation, it doesn't mean our talk, it means our lifestyle, our behaviour. Out of good behaviour, um, demonstrate that with meekness. He's saying, okay, so you're wise. So if you're wise, it shows up in your life, doesn't it? Is, you know, so let's, let's think about that. He says, it shows up in good conversation. The word good there means valuable or beautiful. It's the idea that it's, it's a behaviour that is, uh, is good, is, is, like I said, valuable there. It has virtue to it. But he said, it's interesting here, he uses in meekness. Now, again, the word meekness, uh, as we understand if you've gone through the Bible, is different from how the world sees it. If you, someone says today is, you know, are you meek? They, they think of someone that's pretty, you know, just um, spineless and just very, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, often you've seen, I don't know, you've seen bumper sticker or things like, the meek will inherit the earth. If it's okay with you was the idea, you know, sort of like um, very, like, uh, you know, not much power, just you're meek because you're weak. But in the Bible, that is not the case because remember it said that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. He was a powerful man. I mean, he... God used him in powerful ways. It said about Jesus that he's meek and lowly. Jesus wasn't weak. Jesus, in fact, was powerful. It, what it reflects is a gentleness. And it's the idea of, of meekness is power under control. You may have heard that before. You know, when you take a horse, a horse is a very powerful animal. But when you train the horse in the right way, that power is under control. We remember last week looked at about a horse with the bit in the mouth and things like that. Um, it's, it's, the idea here is, um, is an attitude that is not of pride. It's one of, I guess you'd say, humility. So the question he's asking there is, you say that, you are, um, you, you say that you're wise. Let's look at how it shows up in your life. Now, he could have just left it there and you could say, okay, I know I need to have this sort of humility and this meekness and, good be, and I need to behave well, that's the way that it should show up in my life. But he then goes further and actually gives us the examples of the two types of wisdom. And really, it shows us the test of them. In uh, the, the, the first type of wisdom, and this is in verses 14 through 18, let's read the, about the first type. It says, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not in the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish for where everything and strife is uh, there is confusion in every evil work he tells this to the believers because while we may think we have wisdom he's, he's saying let's test that against the standards and here's the first standard and that is what is called an earthly wisdom earthly because it's from below not from above it's not from god it's it's man's wisdom it's what we would call worldly wisdom and we read here, firstly, the motivation for that wisdom. It, it, it uses the term there twice, bitter envying and strife. The idea behind that is that it's selfish. It's selfish ambition. It's all about what I can get, what me, everything that is, revolves around me. And notice he says there, in your heart. So it comes back to that whole heart issue as to where our hearts are. But this is uh, how the world operates today, isn't it? You know, you need to look out for number one as the idea, you know. 
that uh, put yourself first, you know, take care of yourself, that idea, a very self-focused about what I want, what my rights are, what, you know, little thought about uh, others. It's quite opposite from uh, the mind of Christ we read in Philippians where he says, look not on your own things but on the things of others. So he's very focused on that. Uh, The motivation is around self and self-ambition what I want out of life. The characteristics of that, it says here, um, firstly, it says if you have that in your life, if if you're focused on yourself and just what you want out of life, don't lie. Don't lie and say that you are operating out um, out of godly wisdom. Don't glory in that. Um, You're you're actually, our hearts, our actions are betraying what we might say in that. Characteristics of this, he says it's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. Let's look at each of those. Earthly, it's temporal, it's in the here and now. It means that all of your focus, if your focus about things is what's going on right now in my life. What do I need this week, this month? What are the situations that are going on? If you're focused on what is, is going on just in your life right now and you're not looking, having an eternal focus. You see, Jesus came... You know, and he said, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink and all these different things and, and think about, you know, my, my career and all the different things that I'm doing in life. He says, God knows your needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, seek the things that are above, not the things that are on earth, we read in scriptures. It's to have an eternal focus. But the earthly focus is very much this week, this month, today, what do I want, what am I going to get? And, and again... That is very much how our world operates. And it does that because, you know, our advertising and our whole, whole system of, uh, you know, uh, commerce and things like that is based around you, encouraging you to what you need right now and to deal with and look at what you need right now. Uh, you, it's interesting how you find the change in recent years in, in governments, in the way things... Everybody's thinking about, let's just get this done right now. Even the current debate, it's like, they just get it through. Just get it out of the way. We'll just look at what... And people, and people are now saying, saying like, hey, let's think about the long-term consequences of this. No, 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 no. Just, just let's do it, right? Let's just look at now. This is what we need. And this is happening not only in that arena, but in many, many things that we see. Very um, short-term decisions, very much focused on immediate results and immediate gratification from that, which brings us to the second one, sensual. So earthly is very much focused on the temple, the temporal, which is right now. Sensual is very much based on how I feel. Um, if you, you know, it's, it's saying what pleases me. And again, we have a, a society that really today is all about what, what is pleasurable, what pleases them, what makes me feel good. Uh, what, how am I feeling? And so what he's saying is that this sort of wisdom is focused on the here and now, it's focused on how I feel and what pleases me and what I need in a daily basis in that sense. And he says that that type of wisdom is actually demonic. It's pretty heavy, isn't it, that it's demonic. It's, it's rooted in Satan, not in God. See, Satan actually wants you to have wisdom, believe it or not. He just wants you to have his kind of wisdom, not God's kind of wisdom. Let's uh, go back to the very first uh, book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. We see this in, in the very first encounter with, with the devil, with uh, Adam and Eve. 
Satan appearing in the serpent. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle or cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, and questions God's wisdom here, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of all the fruit in the garden of the tree. See, God's, God's loving, but of the fruit in the tree in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat of it. And that was true. God puts boundaries because for our own good. She extends there and actually um, says something else that God didn't say. Uh, Neither shall you touch it lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Challenging the wisdom of God there. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. See, I'm offering you knowledge. I'm offering you something that God's not, God's, holding back from you. I'm offering you the knowledge of good and evil. In fact, they they would get the knowledge of good and evil, but God says, you don't need the knowledge of evil. You just need the knowledge of me, the knowledge of good. How different would our lives be if we didn't have to experience any evil, any sin? It would be glorious, wouldn't it? And it says here that when the, in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant for the eyes and desired to make one, what? Wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Satan is fine with people having wisdom and he will deceive people and saying, it's all about knowledge, it's all about you know how much you know. And we have a world today that's obsessed with that, how much they know and all the things that like why you know we shouldn't have boundaries, we should be able to do whatever we want, experiment however we want, live however we want. No boundaries because then we will be fully wise and we're evolving and we'll just evolve to the next level. That's the the thought that uh, the world has. Isaiah chapter 14 tells us where this comes from, talking about Satan. Now, Satan was a created being, the highest of angels, but he lifted himself up in pride in his own wisdom. And God says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations for you? Thou said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. Listen to all the eyes here. I will exalt my throne before the stars of God. I will sit upon the mound of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the highest cloud. I will be like the most high. I, 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 I. I want, to, I want God's place. And people today reject the knowledge of God. They say, oh, God doesn't even exist. Because why? Because I'm God. I'm in control of my life. I am the one that uh, decides what I do and what I shouldn't do. You know, today and say, hey, I, I can decide... Uh, even if I'm a male or a female, you know, I can decide what I do with my life. No one tells me what to do. Where's that come from? It's why he says it's demonic. It comes from the devil. It's a deception, and it's a deception that the whole world has fallen into. Back earlier in the year, we had a series on spiritual warfare, and back then we. Uh, mentioned that there are three enemies that we as Christians face, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you go back to James, each of those are what is mentioned here. Earthly, that's the world. Earthly wisdom, sensual, that's the flesh, appealing to ourselves, and the devil, demonic. So he's really just referring to them in another way. So these are our enemies. So it shouldn't surprise us as Christians that we are going to face this. But the problem that we have is we're affected by it. 
And often we buy into the world's wisdom because we're around it so much that it, I guess you could say it rubs off on us or we allow it to rub off on us and it starts to affect us. It affects, for example, the way that we handle our money. It, handle, it affects the way that we, we work. It affects our family relationships, marriages, parenting, all those different things, uh, just the relationships that we have with others. It creeps in. We think of it as the point, from the point of view of what I want, what, what, how I'm going to meet my needs. And God says, that wisdom is not from above. And he goes on there to describe the results of it because in verse 16, he says, for where envying and strife is, where this kind of selfish ambition is, where, where you are living your life just thinking about yourself and your own needs, this is what happens. There is confusion and every evil work. That word confusion is interesting. It is the word that the meaning of is basically disorder, problems. So if you're going to live your life like that, you're going, the, the, if you're going to live your life according to the world's wisdom, there will be problems. This kind of wisdom doesn't work. Interesting enough, Jesus Christ used the same word uh, in Luke 21 when he was describing about what would take place in the future at that time. He said, take heed to his disciples and be not deceived for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and the triumph draweth near go ye not after them but when you shall hear of wars and commotions that word confusion is commotion the same word when you hear of that be not terrified for these things shall come to pass but the end is not by and by he said nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom are we seeing that in the world today are we seeing that in society today we're seeing protests and fighting and all this sort of stuff. That's because of this. That's because of this sort of wisdom. The, the result of following this wisdom ends up with that. It's interesting that that word is disorder. You know today we have a whole realm that's coming in the last 150 years of psychology. Now, psychology in itself is not bad because psychology just means the study of the mind. But we have from that this uh, today this idea that, well, you know, we just need to uh, do all these different things to try and manipulate and change behaviour. And if we can alter people's behaviour and all, all this sort of stuff. But it's using the world's wisdom. It's not using God's wisdom. There's nothing wrong with trying to change people's behaviour. But when we do it in our own strength, we do it in our own pride and our own thinking, it's always going to end up this way. And that's why today we have greater incidence of what we call mental health problems, disorders, problems for in society than, you know, well, they're more weak than ever, remember. Uh, although these things have, you know, these, these things have uh, had been in the past as well. This is what we can expect. You know, Jesus said wisdom is justified of her children. What he's saying is whatever sort of wisdom you have, the results will show up from that. You know, as we've been looking through James and the wisdom, some of the wisdom that we should have, for example, we read in chapter 2 about the, how godly wisdom and faith in God removes partiality, discrimination. There shouldn't be any prejudice. God says that in the world, there is no, you know, that, that, that everyone is made equal in the world. The only uh, way in which we define it is are you a child of God or are you not? Are you saved or unsaved? And we are to love and reach out to those that are lost. But in this world, think of all the things today, prejudice and all the different things that are going on with it. This is the result of a world that has rejected God. I just want to read to you Romans chapter 1. I'm not really going to comment on it, only because we don't have time, but I don't need to. If I read this last part of Romans chapter 1, it explains how we got where we are and see if this doesn't describe today. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, that means to suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is made may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For the invisible things of him are seen from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. People are without excuse of the knowledge of God. It's evident in our world around us. God's put it in their heart as well. But because they, when they knew God, they had an unknowledge of God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, became vain in their hearts, thinking about themselves, their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image to be made like corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, materialism, worshipping the things in this world. Wherefore God, as a result, gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their heart to dishonour their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature themselves more than the creator who's blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the error which was meet. And as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are convenient, whatever they wanted to do, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, hater of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God and they that commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in those that do them. I don't need to say any more about that. Just take that and measure it against our society today. That is the result of worldly wisdom, a wisdom that says, I don't need God, I want my own way, it's all about me. Let's take the other type of wisdom that James mentions here, and this is the type of wisdom that God wants us to have. It's a heavenly wisdom. Verses 17 and 18, he says, Wisdom that is, from a, that is from above. The source of this wisdom is from above. It's from God. And of course, it comes from God's word, but before that, it comes from a relationship with God. You see, you must know God to know God's wisdom. This from above is the same word when Jesus was speaking to a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a very knowledgeable man. He said, you are one of the greatest teachers that are there in, in Israel. And he said, but you don't, there's things you don't know. He said, except a man be born again, born from above is that same word. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He that cometh from above is above all, Jesus Christ. And he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that come from a heaven is above all. And so for us, we have to understand that heavenly wisdom isn't just tied up in Bible knowledge. It isn't, I know scriptures. We should learn and know the scriptures. It's God speaking to us. But wisdom begins in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And for us to have heavenly wisdom, we need to have Jesus Christ in our lives. We need to have a personal relationship. That's 
comes by faith through grace. You've heard the gospel uh, many times here. It means that recognizing that I'm a sinner, Jesus Christ is my saviour, I trust in him alone to save me. And God says, when you enter into a personal relationship with me through faith in Jesus Christ, I will put my Holy Spirit in you. You will have wisdom. He will guide you into all truth. He'll give you understanding. What are the characteristics of this wisdom? Well, he gives a list here. And really, this list is very much like what we would call the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in our life. Let's look at some of uh, these characteristics. It's pure. That means it's not corrupted. Um, It's peaceable, not argumentative and fighting. It's gentle. It's not, not proud. It's mild. It's easy to be entreated. It's approachable. It's reasonable. It's merciful. It has compassion on others. It has good fruits. It shows up in our lives the way we live. It's without partiality and hypocrisy. In other words, it's genuine. It's sincere. The idea of partiality and hypocrisy is being sort of two-faced or double-minded and all those things. And remember that Jesus, when he was talking about hypocrisy, he often used that word a lot, didn't he? And he was talking about the Pharisees, the Pharisees who were outwardly like this. They're very much focused on themselves, but he says inwardly their hearts were against God. Now, when we think about those characteristics and you think about the characteristics of earthly wisdom, we have to, the, the real, the question of this is to look at our lives and say, in every, any given day, in every given week, what, how are we operating? Which wisdom are we operating to? And you, we might say, well, no, I, I operate towards God. Look at what is going on in our lives. Look at what, what's going on in our hearts. If we're, to be honest with ourselves, very often we flip-flop between the two, probably more to the earthly wisdom than the heavenly. God doesn't want us to do that. Remember last week he said, you know, out of the same mouth can't come blessing and cursing. It should not be. It ought not be in our lives. The results of heavenly wisdom, you could summarize all that. He talks about uh, there about the fruit of righteousness. It doesn't mean perfection. It just means that we are living a life that is according to God's ways. We want a a right living. We want to live in the way that God is leading us. God's righteousness, not ours. It's it's when we see the righteousness of Jesus Christ flowing out of our life. And the result of that, it says here, is peace. Not fighting and turmoil. And one of the problems we have in our lives, families, churches today is we do have turmoil. We do have problems. We do have conflicts with each other and this is reminding us that we need this heavenly wisdom and God says you know if you lack wisdom come to me I'm offering it to you so this passage is again asks the question are you wise well wisdom should then change the way you live it should change your behavior let's just in closing go to a couple of uh, uh, passages in Proverbs, the Old Testament. Because Proverbs is, I guess you call it, the wisdom book of the Old Testament. And it was written by someone who had everything that the world would say that they wanted today. He had fame, he had fortune, he had um, pleasure, he had a lot of wives. <laughs> Maybe people don't want it today, but he had all of that, all the things that people say, oh, I want all of that. I want the celebrity status and all of that. And he said, yeah, you know, you read Ecclesiastes, he says it's all vanity, it's all 
pointless. But what did he say? See, God gave him, God actually said to him early in his, his reign as king, he said, you know, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. And he wrote this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the game better than fine gold. If anybody had gold, it was him. He's saying it's better than anything you can buy. She is more precious than rubies, and she is uh, uh, all things uh, that you can desire cannot be compared to her. He's putting wisdom, uh, portraying wisdom as a person, as a woman, but we know wisdom really is, 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 comes from God. Length of days is in her right hand and in, in her left hand riches uh, and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are paths of peace. Reminding that God's wisdom brings peace. She's a tree of life uh, to them that lay upon her and everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth with understanding has established the heavens. He goes on there to say, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. In verse chapter 4, he reminds again, he says, Hear, O children, verse uh, uh, 1 there, Hear, O children, instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. In verse 5, he's, he's pleading with his son, Get wisdom, get understanding. It's not get knowledge. It's not, you know, hey, get a good degree, get two degrees, get three degrees, all the names after you. Get, go and find out everything you can about it. He's saying get wisdom, get knowledge. Forget it not, neither let it decline from the words of thy mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. The number one thing that we need in our lives is wisdom. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all of it, get understanding. And, of course, wisdom is in a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Again, verse 23 here, he says, keep your heart, going back to our hearts, keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. Job 28, I'll just go back uh, a little bit before that. Job asks this question in uh, Job chapter uh, 28. 12 and 13, but where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? You know, that's, that's probably what people, you know, the question that they're asking is, where do I get wisdom? How do I get free of my problems? How do I get that peace that I'm chasing after? Do I, you know, is it through more education? Is it through uh, psychology? Is it through pleasure? All these different things. Where is it to be found? Man knows not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth says it's not in me. The sea says it's not in me. It cannot be gotten with gold, and it can be got with silver or the price thereof. It doesn't matter how much money. Uh, it's not going to get you the wisdom, this, this sort of wisdom. Where is the place of wisdom? The place of wisdom is in God. In verse 23, God understands the way of and knows the place of. If we want wisdom, we have to go to God for wisdom. Just finally, turn back to, I'll turn back to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, again, portraying wisdom as 
as a, a woman there. It says, wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. Why is wisdom crying out? Because no one's listening. And today, that is the idea. People say, I don't believe in God. I don't care about what God is. They're holding their uh, hands over their ears and saying, I don't want to hear what God has to say. I want what I want. She crieth in the chief places of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her words. Notice that God, with his wisdom, he's not hiding it from people. He's saying, it's here if you want it. If you want it, you can have it. How long is the thing? Your simple ones. Will you live in love? Will you love? Sorry. Will you? How long will you love simplicity? And scorners delight in the scorning, and fools that hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I'll make my words known to you. But because I have called out and refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But you will have set at naught all my counsel. You have none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when fear cometh. Wisdom saying, here, I'm offering you, God's saying, I'm offering you wisdom. I'm offering you help. I'm offering you understanding. It's my wisdom. But if you reject that and you end up in trouble, I'm going to laugh at that. Oh, that's a bit unkind and callous. No, it's actually very loving. It's, it's loving for us when God actually allows us to sometimes reap the consequences of our own actions, of our own wisdom, as, as, even as believers. You know, we're told that you know, whatsoever we sow, we'll reap. See, there's two ways that we can learn. We can learn from instruction. We can listen to what God has to say. We can believe it. This is what this whole book is about faith, trusting in God, and we can obey it. We can apply it to our lives. Or the other way we can look to, to is by experience. We can experience the consequences of, of wrong choices in our life. We can think to ourselves, well, I know that's what happens, but it's going to be different for me. You know, I, I know that's what normally happens, but my case is different. And we'll go down that path maybe, but, and we'll experience the consequences. And that is far more painful, but you do learn from experience. You and I know that. And sometimes, you know, that's how it is in our lives that we learn from experience. God wants us to learn from him, to learn instruction. So really in closing, we come back to this question. All of us live lives based on wisdom. And the question to you and to me is where does our wisdom come from? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your precious word. We thank you for, firstly, the wisdom that comes only from you. We thank you that that comes in a person, the person of Christ, and that we can uh, know him personally. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, the, the offer that you give to us, that if we come to you for wisdom, that we can have it. And your Lord, we know that how much living in this world affects us and how often we are drawn away. Uh, as it says, by our own lusts, that we end up, as a result, fighting with one another. We end up uh, really down, uh, focused on our own issues in our life. And Lord, uh, it's, it's a struggle that we face every day. We thank you that you're loving and gracious to us. Lord, we know that you don't want us to stay in that place. You want us to, to grow and to change. And Lord, you offer us the means by which we can do that through coming to you, through... Um, really, again, 
dealing with the hard issues in our life by surrendering to you in them. And I pray that um, we would be reminded of that when we read passages like this. Lord, though they are convicting, Lord, that we'd understand that we're not condemned, that, uh, uh, that in fact what you're doing through this is really doing surgery on us. And that surgery is beneficial, Lord, as you work and reveal things to our hearts. May, Lord, we respond in the way that would uh, draw us closer to you rather than away from you. We just pray for each person here. I know that many of us are going through, many are going through struggles, but I pray that, uh, again, they would know that you're with them in these struggles and that uh, you are working and changing and that uh, you have begun a good work will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We thank you in his name. Amen.